Welcome to Fresno's Best Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. This is the first episode of the new year, and it is the first time that we have a repeat guest on. Today's guest is Phil Arbio. Exactly one year ago, Phil and I recorded a conversation on the day of the January 6th insurrection at the Capitol. We decided it'd be fun to do another episode exactly one year after to talk about the things that have happened since, the select committee on the Capitol, Devin Nunes retiring, and Phil's run in the special election. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and it's good to be back. Respect to the best little city left in the U.S. Fresno's best. Fresno's best. So, uh, Phil, you're the you're the first guest that I've had on for a second time. And we're, we're talking today because uh, a year ago, we had a, a, an interesting accident happen where we had an event take place um, that we did not anticipate, uh, but we, it happened to be the perfect moment for us to talk um, as both of us have thought about these questions. And in particular, in my case, last year I was teaching eighth grade and um, we are, the unit we were in was on the constitutional debates and our government and how it works. And we had actually, the day before, talked about transition of power, electoral college and all those things. And it, we were still in Zoom. And so I was, we were actually discussing these topics that day. And I had planned to show the kids the, the kind of the video of uh, when they actually tally the votes and things. Um, and then announce who the new president is going to be um, and talk about the significance of it. And sure enough, that's, uh, I, I turned on the, my TV for the kids to see, and I saw human beings crawling through windows of the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And it was such a startling experience for both me and the kids that um, I didn't even know what to say. And then, you know, sure enough, we had our podcast in the afternoon and, and you and I both kind of sat in, in rapt silence, um, not knowing what to say or do either, mm -hmm. um, just because it was so startling. And I think we are forgetting how startling it was because mm -hmm. that's what humans do as, as uh, you know, as time passes, the emotions become less raw and we can just find a place and compartmentalize those experiences um, and then let them go. Um, but we shouldn't, you know, and I, I think there's ways that we bring events back up, traumatic events, whether it's, you know, holidays or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. um, but we need to revisit those experiences because they're important for many reasons. But why don't you share a little bit about your day? On January 6th last year, um, yeah, leading, so, leading up to our recording. Well, no, no worries. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me and being, you know, it's an honor being the first guest to be on your show twice. Um, obviously, this time last year, we were talking about what's going, what was going on with the Capitol. So it seemed, it seemed uh, like a good idea to revisit that with, with you and your podcast and where we are a year later. Um, you know, I, I grew up with a, with a deep, deep love for this country um and that's what that was my driving motivation through high school through college 
you know, learning more about this country and the way, you know, and the foundations and why it was there and why it's there and why, you know, our founding fathers decided this was the makeup that they were going to do. This is the Republic that they were going to find. So, so to see people question anything about the makeup of that Republic in an, in a violent act was disturbing. And, and even to this day for me, I, I'm, I can't, uh, I, I refuse to watch any video of the actions on that day. Um, it is a day of remembrance, uh, especially because there are people that lost their lives that day. And, you know, I, I it's very, for me, it's the equivalent to 9-11. Uh, I'll never forget that day as well. Uh, again, refuse to watch anything regarding the actual physical attacks of that day because it's so hard, but it is, it's important to remember. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, when we, when we did our, our interview last year i think we were just kind of it was very surreal it was taking it was taken all in i mean it's three thousand miles away it's it's you know it's not happening anywhere close to where we are right now but it is the that's where our nation that's the heartbeat of the nation that's where our laws get decided that's where um you know our representatives go to do their work to advocate for us so it, it's a super important place and uh to know that it was on the brink of collapse is, was very disturbing. Uh, but I think what was more disturbing was the rhetoric coming out, out of that and those that were kind of brushing it aside and saying, well, it wasn't that bad or we need to move on. Or, you know, even had some representatives say it was just a, a you know, tourist coming to visit the Capitol that day. That's, that's, I think, what's the most disturbing thing about this whole thing. I mean, yes, the attack was, it was hard to watch. And, um, you know, it brought a lot of people to tears and because uh, there was a lot of people in harm's way, our representatives, the vice president and the speaker of the house and, and all the representatives that were there that day. Um, but I, I think that, uh, you, you know, for us, we, we just, it, it uh, what the aftermath of that is what, why I continue my fight um, because it's we need more people there who uh, speak the truth and, and who and who accept the facts and the outcomes and tradition uh, and, and um, you know uh, a transition a peaceful transition of power. Uh, so you need adults in the room and, and unfortunately for the last it seems like the last you know almost decade, especially the last five years, uh, we, we, there's only been one there's only been one adult at the wheel one party uh, willing to take responsibility uh, for anything, but, um, and, and you have another side that that is decided to not take responsibility as their leaders said themselves, they don't take responsibility for the pandemic. They're not gonna take responsibility for this, for the riots. So, um, or for the, for the insurrection that is. And um, so it, it's been really, that's been more appalling. I think the rhetoric coming out of it and the misinformation and the lies on top of uh, the pandemic. And I think that's why we're in a state we're in right now. But I wouldn't be doing this, running for Congress a second time if I didn't believe in this country and if I didn't believe in its people, especially here in the Central Valley. And uh, I think we got a bright future ahead. Um, it, it does seem dark right now and the pandemic has, has made it even darker, but there is a light at the end of this tunnel um, to keep, to bring this country together. Yes, we have differences on each side of the aisle and how to best move this country forward. Um, but it should take place, uh, 
the rhetoric and the, and the debate should take place peacefully. You should have calm. Uh, you should have you know, level heads, cooler heads prevail um, because it doesn't get us anywhere, uh, this fighting. Um, it just It's just a, a circle of insanity that'll just bring us back to the same place. And so we need to move on from, we do need to move on, but we need to move on from the representatives, the administration that, that caused us to be there and, uh, you know, get back to work. You know, I, we, we both live in the Valley. And so we, we live in kind of a, a place with mixed political leanings uh, in our environments. And I, you know, when I talk about this stuff with, you know, my more conservative family and friends, um, I hear a bunch of different responses to how they think about January 6th that I'd like you to respond to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one that's usually brought up is the, uh, in, 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 in their minds, the apparent contradiction between the way the uh, protests that happened summer of 2020 mm-hmm. and the response to that, and then this as the equivalent uh, kind of reaction to the government breaking down and seeing the inconsistency and pointing that out. So that's the first thing that I hear. Um, and then obviously the second thing that I hear is this kind of deep belief that people have that the election was stolen. I, I mean, I've seen, I've, I've seen these crazy statistics um, and they're from legitimate places uh, that say something like a third of Americans think that the election was stolen. Um, something like 80% of Fox News viewers uh, think that the election was stolen. I mean, you know, obviously, if they're watching a channel that's telling them it's stolen, it's, you know, it's kind of like asking, asking a redundant question. But um, how would you respond to one, what they see as an inconsistency? And then two, how do you think about people that still believe the election is stolen? Because I mean, ultimately, you know, um, if you're going to represent the value, you're going to represent a lot of different belief systems, right? And how will you talk to those people that maybe disagree with you? They're, they're, they're apples and oranges. Um, what happened in those cities, Minneapolis, Seattle, um, Portland, you know, they're not, they're not, they weren't trying to bring down the nation and the, found, and the foundation of this country. They were trying to get a point across, you know, in, in different ways. And, and as I said, you know, burning down buildings, looting, tipping over cop cars um, and fighting with law enforcement isn't a way to go. But you understand the frustration leading up to that. But they weren't saying, take the country down. Like, this system doesn't work anymore. Let's burn it all down and let's start anew. They were frustrated by other things. What what the, the insurrection that happened on January 6th was burn it all down and let's start over again. Let's have a different type of um, system in place. Democracy is not working for us. And like Biden said today, you know, you, you can't love your country only when you win. You have to be able to be a grown up when you lose. You know, that, that's what we teach our kids, right? I mean, right now, you know, I have an eight year old. There's no scorekeeping when he plays Little League. But, you know, they do keep score in their own head. And it's okay. I say, look, sometimes it goes your way and sometimes it doesn't go your way. But if you're prepared and you're willing to work for it, more times than not, you're going to be able to pull it out. And, you know, we we very passionate in our politics. We're very passionate in our 
and our sports as well. I mean, we see different, you know, the different teams at Super Bowls and, and World Series. Yes, they're devastated when they lose, uh, whether it was, um, uh, you, you know, whether it was that that weird play that ended that Saints, what was it, Saints, whatever game it was a couple the years ago. The pass interference. That pass interference. Yeah, 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 it sucked. It, it terrible. Was it probably missed? Yeah. But you don't see them fighting or killing the referees or trying to burn down the building. Good sportsmen, right? That's what we try to tell our kids. And when you see a, and when you, and when your students are seeing them uh, take down the Capitol um, because they lost the election, like it was a fair election, every single um, intelligence agency said it was the most secure election we could have ever had. There were minimal, zero, like almost infinitesimal amounts of fraud in in this election but when you spread a lie as we know it 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 can it can turn into a wildfire and one side has has uh repeated that same lie enough and when you repeat a lie enough people are gonna um believe it and unfortunately a lot of our a lot of people today that do believe in that lie they get their news from like one or two sources and that's it because it makes them feel good. Right. It, it's, it's, it makes them feel, um, it, it makes them feel like they're right. Nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants to lose, but that's just part of life. That's just the way it happens sometimes. And um, so, I mean, that's my take on, on, uh, on, on, on both of those, those, uh, those, those analogies that you had, they're apples and oranges. Um, the riots and the looting in those cities had, they're completely different what happened to Capitol. And those who still believe in the big lie, you know, it's because they're only listening to a few outlets. So, and, 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 and unfortunately, a lot like those few outlets, they do elect elected officials who are they do elect their leaders who keep feeding the same lie. And it makes them feel good. Um, it's time that we just we have officials that are just straight and straight to the truth and, and matter of fact with you. Hey, we lost. It's like Obama in uh, what was it in his, his first midterm in 20, 2010. He came out and he said, we got our butt kicked. Like that was it. Like there's no there was nothing about it. Like we, we lost. We we lost everything that we could have because we didn't do a, a better job. Um, I, don't, I don't remember if it was 10 or if it was 12 or whatever it was. But he came out, he straight out said it. We got our butt kicked. Like, we got to do better. And rather than saying everything was stolen, you know, he just he told he told the truth and he told it straightforward. And and that's what we need. We need we need representatives who are gonna tell it like it is. I, you know, it's it's easy to kind of feel hopeless because you just see these incentive structures where, you know, uh media companies are rewarded by feeding this stuff, politicians are rewarded by feeding this stuff. And ultimately, I think it just has to be a kind of a cultural shift where you have people that are stepping up to do the right thing, even when it won't benefit them, which uh, I mean, is <laughs> it's it's a big ask for a lot of people because, you know, people often do what's best for them, regardless of how it affects others. Um, and I, I don't I don't want to live in a world like that, but it feels more and more like our country's moving in that direction. It seems like there's a direct correlation between the Citizens United ruling and where we are today. Corporations, special interests, buying elections because they can now. They can give a ridiculous amount of money until the money is scaled back, and politicians have to rely on their actual merits 
you know, we have a party that talks about merit, you know, um, you should be rewarded um, by the work that you put in the merit, right? Not the color of your skin or, or what zip code you come from. But that's exactly what you're doing. Like you're, you're continually winning uh, an election because your, your seat is safe. They gerrymander it. You don't really have to work because you have an R next to your name or a D next to your name. And you're able to, and you're able to, you know, raise a ton of money from big corporations and special interests until we get the huge amounts of money out of uh, politics. Unfortunately, this is going to be what you're going to see, I think, because you have media corporations, you have corporations that are tied to these politicians. You go to Congress, you, you do what you need to do, and I'm going to throw you gobs of money and I'm going to push whatever lie that you want me to push or whatever story you need me to push for your constituents, I'm going to push that. So take the money out of politics and watch what happens. You know, my campaign, completely grassroots, no special interest, nor corporate, uh, no corporate money. And, um, and, uh, and, and it, it feels good because it's literally just people giving their hard work, hard, hard, their hard earned money um, over because they believe in my, they believe in me and they believe in this movement, my campaign here in the Central Valley. Yeah, let's, let's talk about, um, you know, breaking, maybe not breaking ranks, but trying to do the right thing. Um, and, you know, it's been interesting to watch Liz Cheney's journey um, as she tries to navigate, you know, trying to do the right thing, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not been, it's not been easy. And obviously the name Cheney kind of brings, you know, for those of us that maybe aren't from that side of the aisle, it kind of brings like some sure. goosebumps in us. Um, and, but I, I, how, do, how, how have you watched and how have you seen uh, what's happened to her as a kind of case study for what it takes to do the right thing in a party that maybe has the wrong incentives? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm, I'm no Cheney fan, right? I yeah. remember the weapons of mass destruction that weren't there. The going to war in Iraq when it was, it, it was known that we didn't need to do that. Um, it was a personal vendetta. Um, and most of the time, I'm not going to agree with, you know, re- uh, Representative Cheney on a lot of things. We're not we're never going to vote on the same uh, along, you know, along the same for the same uh, things in, in the House. But what we do have is a love for country. And that will always, you know, pardon my expression, but that will always trump, you know, my vote. You know, my love of country will always come first my constituents and my family, my community is always going to come second. You know, this race for me is not about me. It's always been about the people of the Valley. So if that's not enough to get elected, then I'm okay with that because that's what I'm, I can be able, I can sleep at night without having to sell my soul. And I think she's, that's what she's doing, right? Her and Rep Kinzinger, they've been able to say, you know what, like we've gone too far here. Like this, this is enough. Like the country is, yes, we have a two-party system. We're going to have some disagreements. But in the end, we can all come together because we are Americans and we all believe in the foundations of this country and what it stands for. Unfortunately, she has, she's in a party now where she's now the minority who think that. The majority think maybe we should move away from democracy because it doesn't work for us. 
and uh, you know maybe we should move them out of the party or or whatever. They they they're they, they're in a party where clearly more people voting doesn't help them because they have no ideas on how to help other people. They're about themselves, the corporations, the special interests, and just getting, it's just about winning and getting elected. That's it. It's not, it's not about anything else. Um, so I, you know, I applaud her for, for being a part of the January 6th uh, committee. I think that it's, it was much needed. Uh, we should have had, and I don't remember, I don't know if we do have one, but you know, a COVID-19 uh, committee and uh, everybody talks about the 9-11 style commissions, you know, we should have one for COVID-19. We should have one for uh, January 6th. So I think that the work that they're doing is is great. And I do hope, and I, I don't know if this is going to happen, but, you know, I have heard those rumors that they're going to be doing them in public, those hearings, and they're going to do them in prime, prime time. They should do it. Absolutely. Call everybody who was involved in that in that insurrection out, including members of Congress, because it clearly states in the Constitution that if you are part of any type of insurrection against the United States, you can be um, expelled from, from Congress. Bring them out, call them there, put them on live on, on primetime television, and let the, and let the American people decide um, if they're Americans or if they're traitors. What would, how would you, I guess I'm just playing devil's advocate a lot because I'm, I'm trying to think through like the other uh, thoughts here. Um, so how would you respond to people that say, this is just stoking partisanship? You know, we just all need to move on. I've heard that line a lot lately. We just all need to move on. Well, I mean, it's easy when, when you're the party who caused the insurrection to move on. You know, if I, if I'm, if I caused a car accident and I killed somebody, yeah, the last thing I want to do is face the jury. <laughs> I want to move on. Okay, let's move on. No, no. I want to, um, no, I mean, you, you cannot, you can't move on from this. Like you said, we've said in the beginning, like you, it, you have to remember these things, whether it's, uh, whether it's 9-11, whether it's COVID-19 and remember all the people who lost their lives because uh, an administration failed to do their job, whether it's uh, an insurrection, things, history needs to be remembered. And um, um, I think that, uh, again, you know, the committee is, is doing their, uh, their work, uh, and I, I believe in it. And I, I hope and I, and I, and I'm, I think, and I, I think I trust that they'll come out with the, um, with the right, the right information to hold those accountable. Cause that's what it's, it's, it's all going to come down to holding those accountable. And unfortunately there is a party that didn't hold um, their party accountable when it happened. And now we have a former president who wants to run for president again, when that guy should never ever be able to hold federal office. I wouldn't even elect him dog catcher. Um, I mean, I think that it should go all the way down there. Um, but it, there is a possibility. I don't think it's as probable as maybe it was um, that he could be president again, um, because I think we're we are uh, we're, we're moved away from the nonsense and the and the craziness of of of, uh, of of Donald Trump and and we we do I think as a nation we want to move on from him, but I I think we need to remember what happened and hold those accountable uh, on January sixth. Yeah, I'm on the same side with you. I, I think that, um, and this is an interesting discussion, um, 
there, there's kind of this idea that partisanship is bad, you know, that having, having strong competing ideas, you know, means our country's going down the toilet. It's so partisan. It's so partisan, but I, I honestly, I, I think it's more of a symptom than a cause. Um, you know, I, th- I see inequality as the, as the, as the bigger problem, not partisanship. Um, I want to live in a place where strong arguments are made for and against ideas. Um, so the best ideas went out. Like, yeah, it's, it's healthy. And if they want to talk about partisanship and the, 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 that this committee is partisan, well, you have two Republicans on there. And if you want to talk about partisanship as well, like the insurrection was partisan. You know, I mean, if you took a poll, if you got everybody's voter registration in that in that insurrection and who were they were there for, I don't I didn't see any Joe Biden won flags. I didn't see any, you know, uh, uh, Kamala Harris flags or anyone championing them out there and and then and then going and 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 uh, and, and invading the house. I mean it was a partisan insurrection. You had literally people from one party and whether they were registered Republican or independent or, or whatever they were, they were specifically there to uh, overthrow an, a, 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 fair, a free and fair election for their president, Donald Trump. That's partisan. So you, you can't talk about this being partisan when literally the insurrection was a partisan move. Yeah, we just need a fair system and then partisanship is okay. You know what I mean? Like if we if there were if there were rules we all followed and you know things were rewarded by quote merit, but merit's also a fraught concept we can talk about. But yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I think that's I'm okay with that. But I understand, you know, the heatedness of our politics just makes people feel like it's crumbling. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that's, I think the actual crumbling is taking on is, is behind the scenes. Um, It's laws being set up to restrict voting access. It's what you talked about, about citizens United. It's all of these systems that are being put in place while we're all distracted by the partisan noise. You know what I mean? And I feel like that, that is the true villain uh, in all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, But people are so distracted um, because it is fun to watch the kind of the, the horse race. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, someone who's leaving office. I don't know if you've heard. Uh, uh, yeah, who could that be? Yeah, so um, Devin Nunes is leaving office. He's going to become the president of Donald Trump's social media company, which is exciting for him. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly. Uh, I'm not sure he does either. I just know it's probably going to be paid well. Um, but Devin Nunes has been around for a long time. I uh, was elected in 2003. Uh, he's been in the Valley uh, pushing. I'm not even sure what agenda exactly. Um, pushing his radio programs mainly. Um, and he's had an interesting legacy. Um, even even amongst uh, more conservative friends of mine, they've had mixed feelings on Devin. Uh, Devin hasn't been someone that maybe uh, likes to drum up popular support or you know, go out and do town halls. Um, he seems that he was pretty content uh, to quietly sit in his office and uh, just push anything through that Trump wanted to do or oppose anything that Obama wanted to do. Um, he, I, I read somewhere that he proposed three bills uh, during his 17 years or 18 years in office. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you contrast him with someone like Jim Costa or someone else in the Valley just is a, is a different kind of politician, um, kind of that uh, old school kind of politician of no, uh, but not much to propose. So, um, but that's my, my small take on uh, Nunez's legacy. What is, for you, what is Nunez's legacy in the Valley? Well, it's going to be tied to Trump. I mean, it's Trump. Trump's legacy is now COVID-19, and uh, you know, not not um, not doing what he needed to do to eradicate that immediately, and it's the insurrection and being impeached twice, right? Things that you don't want to leave a legacy for. <laughs> um, and Devin rode with, rode him all the way for four years, so his his legacy is Trump. I mean, if if it wasn't, he'd still be in office, or he'd still want to be in office. But his his loyalty um, to Trump won out. Uh, over the people of the valley, it was clear that that was happening. Um, he just needed that push of redistricting, of facing the same opponent twice, in a different uh, in a different area to to just to kind of give him that road sign, like, dude, this is your exit. Like you now, you got to go. And he yeah. was and he was okay with that. Like I mean, you can I mean, it wasn't even like, hey guys, I'm gonna finish out my term. I'll finish and and then I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna retire. No, it was. I'm out of here. Like I could really care less about all these constituents and I'm, I'm going to leave you guys to fend for yourself. I'm going to get mine. Have a great day. Good luck with good luck with the replacement because I really, I could really care less on, on, uh, on what's going to happen there. And um, you know, I mean, like I said, in the, in the very beginning, good riddance, let's move on. He doesn't want to be here. We don't want him here. And uh, it's time to move on. Again, these politicians that have been there for 20, 30, 40 years, we we have them all over the country. I think we have a couple here in the Central Valley as well that have been there for, well, we had one in uh, in Devin Nunes, and um, we have multiple in California. We have- Like Kevin uh, McCarthy, for example. Kevin McCarthy, you had, um, you know, you have uh, someone up in the, uh, you know, Sacramento, Stockton, Stockton, Sacramento area. I mean, Jim Costa has been around for a long time as well. Mm-hmm. You have multiple people that have probably overstayed their welcome already and refused to, to refuse to read the, the road signs uh, that happened. I mean, I think there's a, there was a couple of uh, people in Southern California who had been there for, I think uh, she had been there for like 20, 30, 40 years. Her dad was there before her for 20, 30, 40 years. And redistricting just kind of wiped her out. And it's like, she's like, I can't, I'm not going to do that as well. So, I mean, the future's coming. It's already here. Redistricting has made that happen. And can I you explain why the redistricting happened so people can understand what caused Yeah, this? I mean, every 10, yeah. So every 10 years, there's, there's a census. And by law, um, you have to reevaluate the populations in, in every state uh, in this in this country. And depending on what that pop, whatever the census says, you split it up uh, a certain way. And that's how you get your congressional districts with X amount of people. I think there's over in the new district, there's going to be over 700,000 people um, because of the census of what, what the end end census says. And that's in every single state across the country. So, um, you know, it's uh, that's the, that's why the redistricting happened. 
but here in California, we saw that uh, you know we the Latino community has made some strides in population growth, in uh, in and then demographics have changed as well. You know, though again, all that was riding on the wall for Devin. He knew he was going to have a struggle to win anywhere. Um, and what we what we do know about Devin is he doesn't like to work for anything, uh, which is why he packed up and left because. Trump's going to give him a million dollars to be a quote unquote CEO of a social media company, which means, you know, Devin, just show up and I'll give you the money. Right. I mean, that's that's pretty. And maybe or remember, remember, I keep I keep having to remind people Devin has never had an actual job in the private sector. This is his first job in the private sector in like 25 years. Um, I, I since mean, he, I'm watching out of college. I'm watching that show Su- that. Succession right now. I don't know yeah. if you watch that show, but I'm just imagining a very similar kind of situation with a bunch of, uh, you know, kind of sycophant, like, you know, just kind of slimy people all around Trump, just taking turns, kissing his ass all day oh, yeah, long. Absolutely. <laughs> it just sounds like a nightmare. I mean, it's, it sounds horrible, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess you got to make your buck when you can make your buck is. Yeah. I mean, he cashed mindset. out. I think he, I think he cashed out with the wrong, person though in the wrong you know i think he could have probably even catched out for even more at a different time but for whatever reason his whatever that loyalty he has to trump won out over everything they probably could have offered him 10 million dollars from newsmax or fox news or he still would have went to trump right i mean they're there whatever their that connection is that he has uh with trump uh he and maybe he's trying to set himself up for for something in the future of Trump run, runs, you know, I mean, he might want someone loyal as a vice president, you know, because for him, Pence is on the outs now, didn't do what he wanted to do and not decert, uh, not not de- to, to decertify the, the election of Joe Biden. Uh, he wants uh, he wants a lapdog. He wants uh, someone who's loyal. And Devin fits that profile perfectly. So let's talk a little bit about what your vision is for the Valley sure. in a post-Devin world. Um, you know, to be honest, Devin hasn't done much. So there's not a, a ton of things that need to be undone. There's just a lot of things that we need to do. So what what are some of the things, um, if you were elected, that you would hit the ground running with in the Central Valley? Yeah, so Devin set the bar really low, right? Uh, there's not, I mean, I could just show up to work and I won. Um, I could do a town hall and I won. And that's, you know, my commitment to the Valley and my promise and my guarantee is that uh, as the next member of Congress for this 22nd congressional district for the rest of that term is is to hold uh, a town hall of some sorts and whether that's you know however we decide to do that I you know I I, I can promise that that's going to happen um, and I can also promise that I'm going to take the lead in trying to um, you know get COVID under control in the valley you know the problem with a lot of our elected officials right now. Um, in certain levels is that there is no leadership when it comes to that. Uh, you see different nonprofits, you see different healthcare, uh, healthcare uh, places and organizations leading the way on that. First of all, Unified is leading the way on that. Uh, you know, today I got an email saying that they're giving out, you know, tomorrow and Monday free uh, at home COVID-19 tests for our kids and, and for the families to be safe. Um, representatives have, you know, they can enter that space as well, but for whatever reason, they refuse. And I think there has to be a face 
that they can look to and say, you know, this guy's doing everything. This person is doing everything that he or she can do to, to help me through this pandemic. You know, Tulare County, um, I think maybe is close to 50% vaccination. And that's with both vaccinations, not even boosters, right? Just vaccinations. Uh, Fresno County is over 50%, but just, just over 50%. So we got a lot of work to do and it's gonna take a, a real leader to lead the way and show that this is safe, like vaccinations are safe. This is the way we keep our kids in school. This is the way you continue to do business. Uh, this is the way that we can return to a, a somewhat normal life um, if you just get this done. I, 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 I was talking to someone this morning and I said, you know, it's like any maintenance on your house or your car or whatever, the longer that you wait, to fix anything in your house or your car or whatever, the more it's going to cost you and the more it's going to hurt and the more it's going to, it has a, a, a uh, the more it has to the, the, the risk of, of a collapse or a, a huge failure to where you cannot recover. And, and for COVID that's death, right? I mean, you can't recover from death. <laughs> so yeah. the, we got to take care of this now so that we don't pay for it in the long run. Yeah, if and we I have to do this for another two years. It's going to take us six years just to get out of it. And get everything yeah, and going. I think I think that they're related, right? Like we were talking about the big lie earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think absolutely. the the kind of the anti-vax stuff is is enmeshed with this, and you know that's that's just another it's another hard one to think about. You know, you know, uh, I I don't know I don't have the numbers off the off the top of my head about you know people that believe that you know, they, they, or people that aren't going to get vaccinated or said that they're never going to get vaccinated. But I know it's, I know it's fairly high, um, at least in the central Valley. Um, And I know it's high in other places across the country. And sadly, a lot of those people are ending up in, uh, you know, ICUs and uh, and they're, and they're feeling the consequences of their decisions. Um, And I, you know, that, that one's a tough one. And it's one that's like kind of, it's handled in over dinner tables and over Thanksgiving and, you know, holidays with people where you, you know, I mean, I think every one of us has probably someone in their family that's opposed to vaccines for some reason. I mean, the truth is, is that everyone, most people are vaccinated against something, you know, mm-hmm. whether, you know, to go to public school in the United States, you have to be vaccinated. Abs- so, a- so it already exists, but. Um, I mean, a- a- absolutely. It's, uh, it, it it's short-sighted not to see that in order to get out of this pandemic and get back to life as you would like it is to get a, a is to use a tool and a medicine that you know is going to work. Yes, you you can still contract it, but it's not going to hospitalize you. It's not going to, you know, you, you're not going to be down for the count forever. You're not going to die. But yes, you can still get it. You know, this is not you're not going to be completely immune to this thing. And that's okay. And, and that that's fine. We can live with that. Right. If we, if we had that mentality, like, okay, we can get it and we know we're going to get it or we're going to do the vaccines, but if we, and we're still going to do what we need to do to, to, to stay safe. But if we get it, I know that like all mild symptoms or whatever, but we're going to be back in the act. We're going to be back in the game in no time. Right. I mean, so that's, that's really, it. it's a really short-sighted argument and just a point of view to think that, by you getting a, not getting a vaccine, you're going to be better off. And it's like, the longer we take to get out of this, 
the longer it's going to take to 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 recover. So stop, you know, stop your complaining and and just get it done and we can get out of this thing. You know, nothing comes from complaining. You, you got to do it. You know, it, it's you know, when 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 the when the when the different vaccines were being developed in the early you know, 1900s, a lot of, a lot of people took it as a patriotic duty. Like I got to get this done for my country so we can get this thing going, you know? And I think we've lost sight of that because you do have a side that has a different definition of patriotism. They're different. Their, their, their definition is freedom at all costs in all manners of life, not doing what's good for your country and doing what's good for your community. That's patriotic. Yeah. Um, So, so that, so, I mean, for me, you know, doing your patriotic duty is getting vaccinated so that your, your community can thrive again. The economy thrives again, your business, your kids stay in school. That's patriotic, but not doing it because you believe in this freedom at all costs, um, uh, motive. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think people have lost the sense of the common good. You know, it's just all about, it's just all about how does this hurt or help me? Um, and it's hard to talk with people if they ha- don't have that sense of common good. And, you know, I think uh, we've been told some bad stories about what our country's about, you know, our country's about protecting your rights um, and the part about equality and, you know, <laughs> and, you know, all the things that make uh, our country great. Those those things are kind of pushed aside, and it, it, when it just becomes about defending your individual right to do something, and that's mm-hmm. what makes America what America is, then I, I I don't know if it's worth the experiment at that point. Yeah, and today you know doing the doing the doing what is good for your community and country and wanting to help others is considered socialism and communist, right? That didn't used to be the case back in you know in in, in the early part of the of the last century, you know, going to, you know, going to war and women coming out of the, of the, of the house and into the, into the, uh, the workplace, that was a, that was a patriotic duty, you know, because they were trying to help their community uh, keep going and their economy keep going and help and help the men come back or keep whatever they had to uh, uh, going, whether it was a plant or, or a facility but nobody said they were communists or socialists because that's the, what they needed to do. They were patriots for doing that. Right. And we can do both. You can, you can, uh, you can help, uh, you can help others um, b- by protecting yourself. So you, you still have that kind of, Hey, you know, I want to do, I need to do what's good for me and my family, which is, you know, I mean, that's like a, that's a, uh, I guess, a quote unquote selfish thing to, way to think about it. But you're also doing what's best for your community and your and, and the nation as well. So um, that's the mentality we got to get back into. It is it the the only us as uh, everybody doing better means everybody is doing better, right? Um, when when everybody else when other people fail, we're gonna we're we're gonna fail. So let's let's all help each other out. Let's let in the end we we got to get through this thing, and we're only going to do it together. Yeah, and I think I'm, uh, on the last note there um, about that, um, you know, this kind of idea of you know just doing what's good for your family, you know, at the expense of other people. 
Um, I, I, I don't know if I like the lesson that teaches to kids either, mm-hmm. uh, that you're teaching to kids. Uh, we just, you know, don't care about our community. Mm-hmm. It's just all about us preserving this nuclear family as if you exist apart from that community, as if your family can yeah. function without the rest of the world around you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's just this uh, kind of misguided belief that, um, and I don't, I don't, I don't like the idea of, of, of kids learning that I, I, you know, when I teach history, uh, high school students, you know, I talk about the shared projects, you know, I try to avoid the great man history, you know, a teaching that's just a bunch of, you know, largely white, powerful men moving sure. society forward. But I in, instead try to tell the story of groups of people working hard to make changes, whether that's women's mm-hmm. suffrage, uh, whether that's, you know, fighting in wars, whether that's uh, fighting for freedoms, like in the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, these these things are born by people sticking together and pushing for the common good. Um, mm-hmm. And that involves people letting go of their personal interests um, and combining forces with others uh, to make society better because then everyone benefits anyway. And I, it's, <laughs> I could complain about uh, US history stuff all day, but I, sure. I think that's one of the things that uh, bothers me is that there's this narrative that... Um, you know, kind of, um, I've been watching that TV show. Uh, it's kind of a, I mean, it's, it's, I'm hooked in. I don't know if I like what it says most of the time. It's called Yellowstone mm-hmm. and it's Kevin Costner and he plays this uh, ranch owner that owns an ungodly amount of land. <laughs> and there's all these different uh, interest groups that are trying to take it. And some of them are like the reservation uh, are trying to put a casino adjacent to his land. He's fighting them. And then he's got these developers that are trying to build a ski resort. And, you know, and it's just the kind of the, the arch of the plot is his various attempts to try and ward off these people coming in. Um, and it's kind of, you know, it's this narrative, right. Of like, you know, we just got to stick to our family because the world's trying to take what we have. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a pretty dark thing, but a lot of people believe it. Yeah. Especially those that uh, are of the white male persuasion these days, you know, they, they, there is a, there is a fear, right? I mean, a lot of, a lot of what you see today, especially with this insurrection, um, these, these, uh, these ridiculous, ridiculous voting voting laws in states like Georgia or, or, uh, or, um, or Texas is to literally like let people who are, or make sure that people who don't normally vote have even more reason not to vote because they know they'll vote what, when, whatever, whenever they'll, they'll do, they're like the postman when it comes to voting rain, sleet or snow, right? They know that's what their culture is and that's what their generations told them, but they know that, those of color um, don't normally do that. And um, if we just keep discouraging them, they'll just stay home eventually and never, and never vote and we'll take all, and we'll keep all the power. But what you're seeing with this insurrection and groups like the Proud Boys and, and others is there's a real fear about, you know, white, whether it's white male or just uh, the white majority losing its grip on power and they're going to do anything and everything they can to control that power because that's how they they believe this is you know the white men you know built this nation this is this is what you know the founding fathers if you look at them they're all they're all white and yes i i I do understand it but it was a different time 
And but they did uh, they did welcome others into the uh, in, into the country. They, you know, their families were immigrants themselves. So you're you're just seeing um, you're you're seeing you're seeing a uh, 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 whether it's an ethnicity or race or whatever, just uh, scared of what they're about to lose because it's only a matter of time, right? I mean, it's it look look like look what happened to this redistricting here, right? The the 22nd congressional as shaped currently is majority. Um, the population is major, majority um, or minority majority Latino, but the majority still vote uh, are white, right? Especially in some of the the bigger areas up here in, in Fresno County. Um, and look what happened with this redistricting. It literally flipped on its head because you know, a certain community, the Latino community has, and, and other demographics have moved in here in the last 10 years. And it's, it's just switched the dynamic here. You see more elected officials who are Latino of other nationalities as well. Um, and unfortunately, you see a lot of the status quo people trying to keep at the status quo so they don't lose power, like here in, in Fresno County with our board of supervisors because they know once they relinquish that, they'll never get it back. Like they'll just, I mean, if we change, if they change anything for more of a, of a, of a certain group or nationality to vote, it's over for them. So let's just keep it as tight as we can keep it for as long as we can keep it. The problem is time. I mean, you, you, you can't, you can't be the inevitable, right? Especially like what we saw in this district. It, it was, it was going to be Latino. And now it's like tremendously Latino. It's tremendously progressive. It is. Uh, it is. Is a, It's. It's more democratic than we ever thought it would be. But that was the trend that was going, and that's why just Devin decided to leave. You can't fight that. And um, as much as you try, eventually, eventually you're going to end up losing, uh, just because that's that's the way we're headed. You know, and in that show, to go back to that show, that kind of like mm -hmm. the march of progress to take his land is seen as <laughs> it's a kind of a tragedy. But it's, you know, there's a different way to spin that story that, um, you know, is a story mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, we don't have enough housing in the United States. You know, there, there's all these. Sure, things. sure. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 actually a positive story uh, mm -hmm. to give people uh, more land, more opportunity, uh, more places to live. Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the election that's approaching. So what are what are the kind of the dates and important things? No. And, yeah, and we don't... talk a little bit about yeah. uh, Elizabeth Hang, who's, uh, I guess, a sure. potential opponent. Yeah, so look, I, I don't know the dates yet. I mean, I'm 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 surprised the governor hasn't called a special election yet. I mean, Devin resigned on on Monday and it's already Thursday. I thought he would have already called it. So we don't know the exact date of the, the election. Some are saying March, some are saying April. Um, but it, we know it's gonna be sooner rather than later. Um, I'm hoping that tomorrow we'll hear more about it and we'll start seeing uh, what the actual dates are. Um, but I, you know, now with Devin out of the way, I'm, 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 I'm excited to know that, you know, I, I, I do believe I have the strongest campaign um, of anybody in this race, um, whether they're Republican or they are um, uh, Democrat, that's uh, some of my other Democrat colleagues are going to be running this race, though. But I've been running this area for three years. You know, most people know who I am by now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, with, and with Devin out of the way and the resources to do it, I, I think that we are going to be able to flip this district even for six months until it's no longer until it's no longer um, uh, existing. Uh, but I think we have it'll be a good start to it'll be a good start uh, to turn this valley completely blue. And I think we're really close uh, to having that. And and whether it's, you know, I think today we heard Borges isn't going to be running in the special anymore uh, because of, you know, his his future prospects closed on him. We still have to we still have to hear from Supervisor Magzig up here. You know, Elizabeth Hang is running, um, and I think a couple other, if not others, running. Uh, but again, in the end, it comes down to, you know, who's been fighting here for the last three years, who's who's best known. I do know that there is a there is an advantage for the Republicans in this district, but you know, I I know that I pulled Republican and independent voters who normally vote Republican. So I'm pretty confident that, you know, my my story. And, uh, and 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 what I stand for and what I want to do for this this district is going to hold up and we're going to be successful in winning the special election. And again, it's, it's coming up real soon, whether it's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if ballots were in the mail, you know, next month or even in March. And that's how fast it's going to come up. Uh, we know it's not going to be a huge, heavy turnout uh, because special elections aren't. But I know that, uh, you know, we'll be able to to get our message across to enough people so that I that I that I take this seat. Well, we're excited. Um, well, thank you. I am going to finish with two light questions as per usual, okay. and I'll just give them both to you. You can answer them in order uh, okay. that you want. Uh, first, uh, what have you been reading uh, lately? Sure. So mm-hmm. book recommendations is always how we end. And then I want your uh, you know, 60 second take on where Fresno State football is right now. Um, there was a lot of drama this last year. So I, want, <laughs> I want Phil's take. So yeah. uh, however so, you want to answer those. Look, look, I'm, I'm Fresno state. It obviously has got a place in my heart, uh, being alumni from there. Um, I, I obviously, it was a very successful season, uh, but the off season didn't go as smooth as we thought with a couple of, uh, defections. And then with some of those actually decided to come back, um, you know, I think we we have to understand that Fresno State will always be a jumping off point for for very good coaches uh, that want to, you know, go to the next level. But it's OK. I think we should almost take pride in that and be like, yeah, let's get the best out of you because we know they're going to want to win here to get that next job. So let's get the best out of them. Let's let's take advantage and, you know, as much as I do like Tedford, I think my mom and him went to school together down in Southern California. I know they, 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 they spent a lot of time talking in an event one time uh, they, they came from this, they come from the same area. Um, it, he's a good stopgap, but I think, I think in the end, we do got to find that next, um, that next coach who wants to be at a Pac-10 school or a big 12 school, whatever you want to call them these days, or the, one of the top five. Uh, conferences because it only helps us in in in, in competing uh, for for uh, you know for for a division title. So um, yeah, I mean Tedford's back. I hope he has success. Uh, I don't think he'll be there very long because you know he's an older gentleman. But he might be grooming somebody. You know he might be grooming one of the other coordinators to take over eventually, and then maybe he'll have aspirations to to move up to the Pac-12 or to the the SEC or the ACC or whatever it is, 
uh, and he'll and he'll you know he'll work his butt off and he'll get us a a championship or two. Um, so we should always we should always welcome that and and not uh, and not and not boohoo that people leave every two or three years because most likely they're gonna they're gonna have a championship under their belt hopefully. Everyone changes jobs. This is part of life. A- absolutely. And uh, you know, as far as books, I remember the last time we spoke, I I had just read one because the election was over and I had finally had some time. It was called uh, Infamous Scribblers, The Founding Fathers, and The Rowdy Beginnings of American Journalism. So that that one I always will recommend. That was my favorite one. Um, and then in the last year, I've read uh, The Girl Who Played With Fire, you know, from that 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 series the girl with the dragon tattoo oh yeah 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 so i read the next one the girl who played with fire uh trust um by pete Buttigieg. okay i read that one pretty easy read i'm a very big uh we like we like uh we like the in our household we like the paranormal we like uh we like uh ufos we like bigfoot um so i read i read uh chariots of the gods Okay. Um, it's, it's an old book that was read in the seventies, but it's funny because like, even though it was read in the seventies, it's very relatable to today's, uh, today's, uh, today's science and, uh, in science and where they thought we would be by now. Or so it was, it was pretty cool. And currently I'm reading, um, non-fic or it's a, it's a fiction book. It's called Mexican Gothic. It's oh, a very, it's that. a, it, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's like a macabre kind of like, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it's like not horror, but thriller. It's, it's, it's really, I, I'm enjoying it so far. And so, uh, you know, I have my little book list that I'm going to read. I like to go back from fiction to nonfiction. So I don't, I don't know what my next uh, nonfiction will be, but um, that's where I am right now. So that, that would be what I've read in the last year. <laughs> well, and I, the, the literal only reason I would ever want to be an elected official would be so I can be read in on the UFO stuff. I want to be read in on that so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be give anything. <laughs> that's going to be fun. Uh, I also hope, um, well, I guess I won't hope. I hope there is baseball um, by the time that I get back, obviously, or the time I am a, a member of Congress. Um, but if not, I'd love to be in on those meetings as well <laughs> as an elected official. Because I, I say, I, let's I, let's get this stuff going, man. Let's let's you know let's get. I, it, that's let's, what I'm saying. Play. I, I have friends that just get. You know, I don't know if you're one of these people, but my friends when I when I just say those three letters, they start to roll their eyes immediately because they know I'm going to mention some article that I read somewhere or something. But I mean, there's there's very uh, important people in Congress and the Senate who have said that when they watch the full classified, tape oh yeah, or whatever, they're like it's a sci-fi movie. So clearly, there's something that we, we yeah, all need no, to I see. I mean, look, I I um we watch a show all the time, and and uh, you know my my uh, my thing and my thing is poltergeist and UFOs. I I really enjoy those two phenomenon. Um, I don't see how there's not, you know, aliens, at least I don't know if they visited here, but we can't be the only living life, breathing life forms in the entire infinite solar space, solar system. Um, So yeah, I'm a believer in that. And I would really, I would really love to dig into some of that uh, as a member of Congress as well, uh, just to see what uh, what what is true and what's not true. And um, 
you know, I'm, there's been some good compelling stories as well. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's always, uh, that's always fun to, to dive into. I don't go too deep down the rabbit hole. Um, but I, I do enjoy like the, the little shows they have on television and reading about, uh, you know, in, in chariots of the gods. Um, it does, it does make, it does make you think like, okay, like this is, there's, there's something to this. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad we're aligned on this. I, for what my tactic is with people and cause there's a lot of skepticism, which is understandable. Sure. Um, is just to, just to lay out the facts, right? Just lay out. Yeah. Lay out. Here's what they saw. Here's the credentials of the people that saw these things. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you what they are, but what do you think they are? Sure. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's how I've approached it. But anyway, we could go down a rabbit hole of UFOs. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be um, disappointing when they actually make contact. Because then it's like, well, now what do we do? And we know they're real, right? <laughs> if that ever happens in our lifetime, uh, I, you know, until that's then the it's always. I want. And, and and until then, it's always it's just fun to 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 have that little that little uh, niche hobby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been fun catching up, Phil. Yeah, you too, Jordan. Again, thank you for having me on again. Uh, it was an honor to be your, uh, your first uh, guest twice, but it was uh, a good, uh, it was a good day of remembrance to, to do that as well. So yeah, um, hopefully the next time I'm on, I'm, I'm a member of Congress. Same. Good luck. We'll All be right. in touch. Thanks. Thank you, Jordan. Have a good evening. All right, that's it for us tonight, folks. Hopefully you enjoyed this retrospective on January 6th, and hopefully you're getting excited about changes that are coming to this Central Valley of ours. We'll see you next time.